Hello and welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I am Ross. And I am Gordon. Hey bud. We both had some interesting days in the past couple of weeks, helping folks get migrated to new versions of Mac OS, as well as the latest releases of Lightroom Classic and Photoshop. Ah, uh, yes, uh, they have been interesting, no question. And like the old Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times. But yeah. I suspect that you were the one doing more of the helping than I was. I was doing the other thing, not helping. <laughs> well, you know the old mechanics joke. $90 an hour, $120 an hour if you watch, $200 an hour if you help. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah. No, you're very silent. Anyway, <laughs> what should be simple, so often is not. Let's start with operating systems, specifically Mac OS Sonoma. Oh, yes. Let's go revisit that. Just having finished it, or you finished it, actually, by myself. And well, I've done it, too, on two different machines. But my third Macintosh has been left abandoned at the side of the road by Apple. The Mac still runs perfectly well, but it can't run the Sonoma. And because it can't run Sonoma because Apple left it behind, that also means it can't run the latest version of Photoshop with all the new functions. And really, that's the whole point of having an Adobe subscription that you pay for every month. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that generates annoyance number one. Uh, in the context of software, right out of the starting gate, you have to do, decide. Am I going to use the new features and the new tools, which everybody is raving about? But that's also going to mean that I need a new computer. Well, it doesn't guarantee that, but <laughs> if it's more than, let's say, four and a half years old, yes, that's right. Big hardware expense. So while there may be the odd exception, if your Macintosh was built before late 2019, it cannot run Sonoma. And I personally found nothing that creates more value for me in running Sonoma. And it has created the usual number of WTF events. <laughs> you can figure that out. When you do that OS oh, I upgrade. Think people got that. <laughs> yeah, I think people figured it out. I personally could care less whether I was on Sonoma or the prior release. Go back before that to Monterey or Big Sur, if, and stuff starts to go missing in some of these new applications. It's particularly annoying if you go to the trouble to install Photoshop, and it launches and says, oh, by the way, yeah, you can't do the following 42,000 new things because your OS is too old. Yeah. And that uh, basically is gripe number two. Under the subscription plan, and let's face it, there, there isn't anything other than a subscription plan. Sometimes it's well hidden, but, it, but it's there. It's subscription. Parts of your software may get upgraded when you're not looking. And that suddenly looks very good until, like you said... You try to use it and you get the message. It's the dread message. Eh, not compatible. Why is that? 
Well, some software makers, and in this example, this includes Adobe, they're content to leave long-term users behind in favor of adding new functions of some alleged value that can't be supported on older machines running older OS versions, even when the machine still runs perfectly fine. To me, this is indicative of a questionable, boy, am I granting a lot of grace there, <laughs> customer service attitude. Uh, yeah. And is it just Adobe that uh, seems to be doing this? Or? Oh, no, not at all. They just happen to be the convenient scarecrow to throw torches at. <laughs> uh, in the photography game, they are the biggest offender because they're the biggest player in photography. But it doesn't have to be that way. For example, I still get upgrades to Blackmagic Design's DaVinci Resolve, which is the professional-grade video editing suite, and the brand-newest version runs on older OS versions and older hardware without any issues, and no loss of functionality. So what's different about Adobe? Well, unsurprisingly, <clears throat> they don't invite me to their internal meetings, but... I don't know. However, I suspect it is something to do with their swan dive into the pool of AI, but not really AI stuff, where a lot of the processing is being done in Adobe's data centers, which, by the way, as of November 1st, users will be paying for independently from their subscriptions using Adobe credits. Now, nobody knows what these credits mean, how they're consumed, or how you get more. It's been pretty much utterly invisible. Now, for Macintosh users, Adobe says that, in fact, if you have a machine running Big Sur on a multi-core Intel i7 or i9 with at least 8 gigabytes of RAM, it'll work. But if you've got an M-Class machine, well, you have to be on Ventura. Well, that figures. And they rec but they recommend an M-Class CPU with 16 gigs of RAM. The recommended configuration actually does work fine. The minimum, however, is known to be troublesome. Moreover, independent GPUs are required, demanding a gig and a half of video RAM minimum and four gigs of video RAM recommended. Oh, and by the way, that GPU must be able to run the Metal Graphics Engine, which is part of what excludes some of these older perfectly functional machines. Well, that's interesting to know because, well, no, to hear. Because for the majority of us, even if they came out and sent us an email or an invitation or flyer or whatever they do, with all that stuff written on it, it means diddly squat. So to summarize what you just said, I think, if you use a Macintosh, and want to use all the functions in the newest version of Photoshop, you need to be on Ventura at a minimum. Although you could run it possibly on an older machine if you are prepared to give up some of the functionality that's depreciated or probably lost entirely. Well, that's exactly correct. But the older the machine, the less that you're going to enjoy that new software experience. And what about the Windows users? Let's not forget them. 
I mean, once you're in Lightroom Classic or Photoshop, the underlying OS is pretty much irre irrelevant, right? And at the application level, that's very fair to say. Certainly there are differences in the different operating systems, but they are at the design level of the OS. And whether you use Mac or Windows, it's whatever you like. But it's a good way to start a bar fight <laughs> and then stand back and watch. Oh, yeah. The, People get apoplectic about what operating systems they use sometimes. The Windows user requires a computer that is a multi-core Intel or AMD, both with SSE 4.2 or higher, and that machine has to be running at minimum the 64-bit version of Windows 10 using the 2022 second half release. That machine needs a minimum 8 gigabytes of RAM, 16 gigabytes is recommended. The GPU in the Windows machine has to be less than 7 years old, has to have at least 1.5 gigabytes of dedicated RAM, and that GPU has to support DirectX version 12. But again, if you want to use, uh, say, a newer 4K display, you're going to have to have 4 gigs of video RAM. With all that stuff you just said, how will it run with those specs? Well, if you've got the minimum, it's going to crawl. Any snail will beat it in a foot race. <laughs> now, if you if you get to that 16 gigs recommended, it's going to run, but the performance is going to be less than stellar. So myself, being an IT professional for way too long, and other peers who do the same kind of work, we're recommending a minimum, if you're running Windows, of 32 gigabytes of RAM and at least 4 gigabytes minimum video RAM. 8 gigabytes is going to be better. Now, remember, on any platform, Adobe also requires a regular Internet connection. So all that invisible Adobe telemetry software can phone home all the time. And, of course, you have to be connected to the Internet at least once every 30 days to validate your subscription if you want the software to work at all. Any recommendations for a window machine other than some of the stuff you've mentioned already? Well, I tend to, or at least the marketplace tends to shy away from desktop machines these days. So if we think in terms of laptops, I have to confess Windows machines aren't my greatest level of expertise because I haven't run Windows on a production machine in over a year. However, I do have an older Dell XPS 15, which is now about four and a half years old, and it runs okay. And I have a two-year-old Dell XPS 17 that works just fine. However, I have to note that they're both running Windows 11, and they're currently running 2023 second half version. I power them up every couple of months just to keep the Windows current, in case I need either one in an emergency or for a client. I would definitely recommend Windows 11. Windows 10 was great for its time, but as you say, things move on. And Windows 11 is a much more stable OS version. So to summarize our answer to this point, one, you need to make early decision whether the new functions are vital or desirable to your workflow. Two, if yes, accept the fact 
that this is or may cost you a significant amount of money. Three, if that doesn't sit well, well then resign yourself to finding other ways to do this, whatever this happens to be at the moment. So what do you recommend of Adobe from the Adobe side of things? In the recent past, I have heard the word beta being bandied about a lot, usually said in a hushed voice with a solemn demeanor to imply the user has great insight. But perhaps you could tell the rest of us what is meant by beta and why we may have some concerns. Well, beta basically means you volunteered to be an unpaid crash test dummy. <laughs> and it's actually been the biggest issue in the last nine months when Adobe started offering their beta software to the general user populace. Their hidden telemetry tracking software sends detailed information back to Adobe, and that helps them improve what became the released products. However, simply the installation of beta products really screwed things up when the release versions finally did show up. So, if you did install any of the betas, you have to go through this very annoying and time-consuming and tedious process in order to make things work properly. And can you take us through this process? Uh, yes. Uh, put the computer in the recycle bin, get yourself a pad <laughs> and some paper. No, it's not quite that bad. So if you're an Adobe customer, the Creative Cloud application should be installed on your computer. If you've never installed a beta, the updates page will allow you a simple installation of the latest versions of the software that you are licensed for. The key elements in our conversation are going to be Photoshop, Lightroom Classic, and Adobe Camera Raw. Now, of course, there are some folks using Adobe Lightroom, what we used to call the cloud version, that too. Now, I do know that some folks still use Bridge, but there's nothing new in Bridge. Hasn't been anything new in Bridge for a decade or so. However, if you had installed the beta of anything, get yourself a beverage and sit down. Because you're going to start the Creative Cloud application on your local computer and uninstall everything from Adobe. And you're going to uninstall it from the Creative Cloud application. Deleting the app won't do the job. Then you're going to shut your computer down, wait a few minutes, and restart it. Now, relaunch the Creative Cloud application and choose to install the software that your license allows for. Not any beta stuff. Once this is done, exit Creative Cloud, shut down your computer, start it anew after a few minutes, and things should work properly at that point. If you did install the beta and don't follow these steps, expect things to not work at all, or worse, fail randomly. Nice, nice to see that you're so optimistic, but you're certainly definite. And this whole process sounds really onerous and time-consuming. Well, the fact is I've been through now well over two dozen times with different users. And we found that this is the only way hmm. to bring stability back. And it is onerous and it's time-consuming. 
And as I said, if you run beta software on your production computer, you are volunteering to be an unpaid crash test dummy, meaning you are the thing what gets hit. If you do it and don't plan for a complete disaster, well, you be a fool. My personal recommendation is never install beta software on any production machine. And if you will install it, only install it on a dedicated test machine that you are ready and able to completely wipe to empty when something goes completely bad. Beta software is not ready for production. That is what it is by design. And so if you understand that, well, that's a that's a, a start. But also understand that when you're running beta software, you're not going to get better support. You're not going to be compensated for any losses of data. And you're not going to be compensated for the use of your time. Frankly, beta access is a giant scam to get people to do work for nothing. But uh, hang on a second. I know for a fact that you've been a beta tester in your past. I have using dedicated non-production machines and where I received compensation for my work. That whole beta tester paid space is dead. Since software makers figured out how to get the work for nothing from the general public. Okay, so to add a summary to the previous summary, if you are not an above average computer conversant person, Avoid the temptation to get either either because you want to get in before the others or you want to get in on the ground floor either for the additional cost or the function. Don't. Any uh, thoughts on other upgrades? Well, I used to say wait six months before installing the new version of anything. But that doesn't work anymore. So now I counsel clients, never install the .0 release of anything. Wait at least for the .1 release and longer if you can. For example, macOS Sonoma is already on its .1 release. So is Photoshop 2024 and so is Lightroom 13, although they are .0.1 releases in the case of Lightroom. The challenge, though, is that even these fixes to the first releases have broken other stuff. My opinion, a new function, a new giga, a new flashing light is never worth losing work or being absolutely unable to do work. Which then takes me to gripe, well, if you're going to use this terminology, gripe.3 or .4 or X or wherever we finished up right now. These new and wonderful, marvelous things that are introduced almost surreptitiously. That's English language, dot three, in this podcast. But how on earth can we ever make some sort of attempt to stay current or at least aware of what the changes are? Where does one find documentation and guidance on these things? Other than here? I have no idea. Oh, you're a big help. Well, that makes me feel much better. That I am here, an empathic, that's dot number four, yeah, 
with those who aren't. But in the words of a snake oil salesman, and it takes a certain genre of person, I think, to know what a snake oil salesman is, wait, there is more. So I am going to accept that we want to use the newest and the best. The world has moved on. Our capabilities are so much better, etc., etc. But before we get to that point, accept that. And this is all stuff I'm pulling from my install. The hub that you purchased not so long ago to plug six external devices into the two ports that your new silicon chip computer provided you, which may or may not work. The stylus that you were using for your post-production stuff that was reputed to be even better than sliced bread, well, likely that won't work anymore either. And sorting out how many files you should be deleting from the background before you can install the new updated stuff, I've watched you do it, and it's painful. Your time machine backup, you will find suddenly, hasn't actually backed up for about a month, and it never sent you a message to tell you that it wasn't. And your file copy program that you used to back up your main image disk to another disk, well, that hasn't worked either. And that hasn't talked to you and told you that either. But gosh, your images are going to look so much better if you ever get to make them and edit them. That is, I have covered, well, we have covered the gripes and the grumps and dealt with Windows, Mac, and Adobe. Any thoughts on the other systems which have jumped on the, and or propagated the, propagated the concept of AI uh, software, Lumina and On One, I guess, uh, come to mind. Because if these are industry-wide issues seen as necessary and unavoidable, then I guess we had better come up with some sort of continuing information system to deal with them. Because industry is not going to accommodate small fish, that's us. And I have to admit that seismic shifts may be required. Well, I can't speak to any depth on Luminar or on one because I don't use them. However, you're right. This wholesale leap, if you will, into this whole this whole AI space is going to be a lot more demanding on our operating systems and on our computers. And I don't see the shift to it changing at all. In fact, I think it's going to get deeper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, wider and deeper. Now, whether it delivers any actual value, that's up to the individual to decide. And for some people it will, and for a lot of folks, it's just going to look confusing as hell and cost them more money. And they're going to say, you know what, this is not worth my time and trouble. As for how we keep up with it, well, that's kind of what we try to do here to help you. There are other good resources. I am fortunate to be one of the moderators on the Kelby One community, and we work very hard for nothing, because we're stupid, to help uh, all the Kelby One members. It's that beta one again. Yeah, it is that beta <laughs> thing again. To try to help folks get through issues that they're having with their software. And you may find forums and other sites that are useful. But beware the places where you can't ask questions. (laughs) And be cautious 
if everything you hear sounds golden and sparkly and encrusted with real diamonds, that wider and deeper trench may not be filled with diamonds. It may be filled with another carbon-centric entity, which has Stinky. a very bad smell. <laughs> So you done with that? I think everybody's done, <laughs> done with that it. now. Yeah. All right. Well, seeing as uh, we've ranted and raved, we may as well bring this podcast to a close. Be careful, folks. Pay attention. Don't jump in where you don't have to. Get some assistance. And we will talk to you again. Thanks to all for listening to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. If you have not checked out the articles on the photovideoguide.ca, please do so. Uh, because sometimes we'll cover things there that we just can't cover in a podcast. Mm -hmm. Feel free to yep. post a comment or send in a question. When you shop at BNH Photo Video, use the link on the main page at the photovideoguide.ca. It costs you nothing and pays a small commission to the channel, which helps us keep things moving along. I'm Ross. And I'm Gordon. And until next time, peace.